0: Welcome to Pure Podcast, I'm Mike. And this is Orlando, and we're on episode 135. 135, and this is one of our Level Up Reviews. We are doing part two of The 5 Second Rule by Mel Robbins. Uh, and we're super excited about this because, um, you know, it's one of those things, like our life was going pretty normal for a while, and then all of a sudden, things, everything kind of got flipped upside down, and so things got crazy. Made. Yeah, <laughs> and so it's really easy to, you know, when we break books into parts like this, and And it's easy to get excited about something, to start implementing it. And then you let it go. And then you realize like now might actually be a really good time to start implementing these things again. And it's interesting you say that because as I was reading the second half of the book, I was going like, this is really applicable
1: to now. Mm. Right. I mean, you think, right. Five seconds out. A lot of you are thinking about this book and you're going like, oh, all I have to do is apply the five second rule and I don't need to read the book. And there's a little bit of truth to that. Right. But you have to understand that the five second rule is kind of like the hook to get you in to read the principles that she's going to discuss in the second half. Yeah. I thought that was
0: super important. Now, you know, you didn't ask me, like, how the wake up challenge go. That's how long it's been. Yeah. Well, I knew because you've kind of talked about it on a couple of the podcasts. I know. I know it's kind of gone a little bit to the wayside. No, it didn't go to the wayside. No. Oh, good.
1: Well, OK. So. The rule was that we were going to do, I was going to do it for two weeks straight until our next level up review. Mm -hmm. And then this thing called the pandemic happened. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That kind of put a little wrench into the plans. And so we didn't do our level up review. right? Remember we did, I don't know what, we've done all kinds of different podcasts recently, like from interviews to our reactions to Trash Talk. By the way, you should check them out, previous episodes, good stuff out there. Yeah, shameless plug. Well, no, because you know there's there's value in all of those. It wasn't that we were just trying to fill up space, right? We always want to bring value every podcast, yeah. And and so then you know things hit. Like I don't know about you, but I don't know. I'm gonna ask you: Did you feel like not not like depression, but did you feel down? Like did things just kind of rock you for a little bit?
0: Yeah, I mean, a big part of it is routines. Like we're all creatures of habit, you know. For good or for bad right our habits can be really really good our habits can be really bad uh, and a big part of five second rule is kind of like breaking bad habits and 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 developing the stronger ones uh, but one thing that i recognized was okay waking up at three forty five so that i can get ready to go to the gym
1: 45
0: so that i can get to the gym so that i can exercise so that i could get to school on time an hour sometimes an hour and a half before anybody else gets there so i can lesson plan prepare everything that i need to do get some stuff done so that I'm ready for the kids to get there, the commute there. So the audio books, the podcast that I'd listen to on the commute there, uh, on my way home, which which I have like a 45 minute commute each way, um, on my way home, listening to an audiobook or listening to podcasts, so like all of this, like either professional or mental or spiritual development <coughs> in the times and physical development, going to the gym, all of these things. Now those, those Habits, those routines are just gone, right? Like my gym's closed. I'm not commuting. I'm not driving into work. I don't have to live by the clock in the same way. And so it's easy to allow bad habits to creak in, right? Like, okay, well, I'm not getting up to go to the gym. So I'm not going to exercise today, or I don't have to wake up at a certain time. So I'll wake up when I naturally wake up. And then bad habits start going in, even dieting, right? Like I was on a pretty strict diet and with the food issues and not wanting to be at the store that much, I've kind of had to let that go and say like, all right, well, I'm going to stock up on things that I need um, and that we can get and that will last for a long time. And so my diet has gone out the window. And when your diet goes out the window, it's like, well, I guess I can eat some M&Ms. And next thing you know, you put on 20 pounds. So um, yeah, I mean, it, it hasn't been great. 20 pounds, really? Well, I don't know, probably 10, 15, something okay. like that. All right. If you're watching the YouTube, I think Mike looks the same from day one, except his beard is different. Yeah, my beard changes uh, episode to episode.
1: <laughs> it does, it does. But it feels that's how like it. that's it how hair, hair growth about. works. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Okay, so think what about I- you? So the wake up challenge. So it's crazy because when I started it, I mean it was brutal. It was it's tough. It was not easy, but I did find now. It's two things. One, it was brutal. Two, you had to stick to it with anything. So when I first started it, it, you know, it wasn't too bad. I mean, it was kind of rough. Like you have no choice. Like once the alarm goes, five, four, three, two, one, you're up. Yep. Like that's it. And I would say that was the hardest thing to break. And if you guys watch me on Instagram, I'm sorry that you had to see this on the stories. Man, there's some days that look rough. Some days, like my eyebrows took over my face. Like it was, it was intense. And then other days, it didn't happen. Like I forgot to set my alarm. And now there's that only happened like two or three days. And then I made. The strategic decision, uh, to sleep in and and on on the weekend, and the reason I did that was twofold. Was one that I just wanted to rest. Like with everything going on, I wanted to make sure that my immune system was doing well, and I, I didn't want to, you know, deprive myself of sleep. And I know that sounds like I'm making excuse, it, but it's real. Like right now, if there's ever a time I've been watching my health, it's been now. Like I, this is with everything going on. I've been super, super motivated to like work out every day to eat right.
0: And, and Uh, that sounds like you had the opposite effect that I had with (laughs) this. That's good.
1: Yeah. But, but see, you,
0: (laughs) this is, this is where fear was a driving force, which we talk
1: about (laughs) in the book that you shouldn't be driven by fear. (laughs) But I mean, for me, it was more like, I need to make sure my immune system's at 110%. right? Right. So I've, I did everything in the place. So I'm making sure where I was sleeping less than five hours a night. Now I'm making sure I sleep more than six hours a night. Mm. Most nights I'm sleeping probably seven or eight, which is I have not done that in probably over a decade. Mm. So it's kind of crazy that of all, of all the times that during pandemic time is when yep. I decided to start taking care of my health. Right. But there's
0: no better time than now. And speaking of uh, improving your health, uh, chapter nine, which is what we're picking up today, is titled uh, I was Improve Your in. Health.
1: I was going to tie it in a little bit.
0: Okay, sorry to steal your thunder. No, no, no. But anyways, what I'll say is this. The Wake Up Challenge works.
1: I Right now, I do not. Okay, I want to be 100% transparent. 90% of the time, I do not struggle getting out of bed anymore. It, it's you. And we'll talk about this. I think it's like chapter 11 or later on. She talks about like the snooze button is not an option. Mm because the snooze button makes you miserable, I agree. No matter how difficult it was for me to get up right away, it was a lot more difficult when I hit that snooze button the second, the third time to get out of bed, and I felt miserable. Mm. No matter how exhausted I was when I instantly woke up, I felt better. I I can't. I don't understand it. I know there's studies that say that's true. So I encourage all of you to do the wake-up chat, especially now. I know now it's like, and we'll talk about this later on it's really hard uh, for a lot of people i mean it's hard for me still to get out of bed right because you you wake up and a lot of us if you're like me you go on your phone the first thing you do is read the news which i 100% tell you i'm going to tell you don't do that give it like 2 hours you know enjoy life a little bit and then and maybe don't even read the news maybe stick to once a week right cuz right now right would you say news is not
0: like uplifting right now yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's good to stay informed, but also there's a point where there's diminishing return on what you're actually <laughs> Huge gaining, return, yeah. you know, information wise. And it, it just becomes, you know, what are you feeding yourself? Is it, is it junk food or is it like, <coughs> sorry, excuse me.
1: I'll <coughs> have this, uh, I have this,
0: <laughs> this cough that that's lingering. Um, is it is it junk food or is it healthy food, right? Like, is the news, the information you're getting, is it actually beneficial? and going to help you with attaining your goals or information that you need and can use throughout the day? Or is it simply, you know, um, kind of just more of the same and maybe even less of the same because it's not helpful information. And so <laughs> you just put it all right. I mean, that that's what
1: I want you guys to focus on. So let's get into the book though, because I can go on and on and on. But anyways, Wake Up Challenge, do it, try it. I'm telling you, it will be worth it to you, and it'll it'll stick with you. It'll stick with you. Even now, I, I wake up a lot faster than I used to a month ago, which is kind of weird. It's good. Sometimes you're like, this is gimmicky, but
0: sometimes gimmicky works. Yeah. I mean, that that that's really the thing is, honestly, um, a big part of it is- And I don't count to-
1: I don't do the five no. when I wake up. I just wake up now. You just wake
0: up, yeah. That's good. I mean, honestly, like- as gimmicky as, as this whole thing is, and, and in reality is there's probably a hundred different methods you could use to implement. She kind of even talks about that with diet. Like you can search the top hundred diets and you could throw put them all on your wall and throw a dart at it and pick one. And if you follow that one, it's going to work, right? Like mm-hmm. any of these things, these tips, these self-improvement things will work as gimmicky as they are, as long as you follow through. And the idea behind the five second rule is, is interrupt that thought process that, that is keeping you from doing the things you should be doing. And just move into action right so whatever it takes to move into action whether it's counting down from five or whether it's you know i don't know whatever your triggering method is to get yourself going um if you actually use it it'll it'll work right so 100%. that's good all right so chapter nine is improve your health and i would say kind of the the, the concept on this is you just focus and do and not to rely on on feeling so much of especially when you you may not feel like doing the things you know you should do but it's the that idea of action, right? Like you don't necessarily feel like getting up in the morning when your alarm goes off, but it's action. Like, you know what you should do and your feelings often go against the thing you know is the best thing to do. And it's it's to act, to move, to react. And then that will continue this process of positive things in your life going forward, continuing to act, continuing to move.
1: And it's just reselling related too. I mean, you think about it right now, right? Your sales might be slow until you don't feel like listing like you don't feel like going through your death house, even though you have more time now than you've probably had in the last few years, but you can't go on feeling. And I'm telling you guys, like if you're listening, sales are happening, right? So
0: I encourage you guys like to move past those feelings. Now you had a few notes written. You want to share some of your notes here? Yeah. Well, I mean, um, pretty much my whole thing is notes this time because I have, I did the audio book and the, the like Kindle version of this one. Uh, so which I don't always recommend, but, it was nice for me this time because of like my commute. I was able to listen through the book quickly. I'm even put it on. I normally do like one and a half times speed for certain books. This one I did two and a half times speed. Um, And I was still able to like understand because she was a slow narrator. Uh, But the nice thing was, um, I know some of you listen to us two and a half. I know, I know college pick listens to us one and a half. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's fine. Um, (laughs) I think we speak slow enough to try and like, articulate ourselves that that speeding up is perfectly fine some people though speak so fast that it's difficult to uh to speed them up without like what did they just say but anyways um all of mine are on notes this time because unfortunately my printed out copy the pdf copy that i had uh, is locked on my school campus and my school campus is not accessible i cannot get onto campus uh so i i had to uh, kind of just take digital notes based off of what I heard and things like that. Uh, but I have uh, some interesting quotes here, just going along that that line of of acting. It says, "The fact is that thinking about being healthier won't make you healthier. Even meditation, which is a mental exercise, still requires that you do it. There is no getting around this. You must take action." And I, I just think that's a good kind of summary of this this story. I mean, she talked about the diets and how you could kind of pick one. And one guy did a diet that she was like, "I." Not only does she not necessarily recommend it, it's nothing she would ever do, but he basically juiced nonstop for well over a year and he lost over a hundred pounds. Right. And it was like, he recognized that, that there were days he woke up, you know, day 400 and something. It's like, I don't want to do juice today, but he had made a decision. And every time it was like, you walk by the bakery store, you smell the bread. That's when you use the five second rule to refocus yourself. Five, four, three, two, one. I've already made up my mind of what I'm doing. I'm just going to stick to it. And if you do that and you you take action, you're going to be further along. I mean, when I do diets, a lot of times I I, I do I plan, I organize. I sometimes because I'm a spreadsheet spreadsheet person, we'll figure out okay if I lose this amount of weight on this date based off of how many calorie deficit, uh, what's my body fat percentage going to be? At what point will I reach ten percent body fat? Like I'll have full on spreadsheets and plan out days, but. That's not as effective as actually just doing the thing, right? So, just say he has
1: full-on spreadsheets. Oh yeah, to work out, I'm more like, hey, I'm gonna make sure I don't eat that pizza tonight. I'm gonna instead cook a steak. (laughs) You're like, I have a spreadsheet with body fat percentage. Yeah, man, get count calories. Hey, that hey, you gotta do what you gotta do. Hey, there's a there's a whole nother past we haven't talked about, Mike. But that's for another podcast. So. All right, so, but it's 100% true, right? (laughs) The reason she has people do the wake-up challenge that I just talked about, it goes on to page 122. She says, stop thinking about how you feel. Your feelings don't matter. The only thing that matters is what you do. And it's so hard. And even in our business, like, it's very tough because we want to get caught up. Like, I feel like this is going to make me money, or I feel like if I buy this or if I do. But feelings do not matter. Right. Ultimately, it's taking action, but you got to take the right action. Right. But what she's trying to push here, she talks about it later in that chapter on uh, page 128. She says. Remember when I told you that I wanted you to start experimenting with the rule by doing the wake up challenge? That's so you can experiment activation energy. It's the force required to start something. And that's exactly what Kristen is referring to. And she's talking about example before. And she's right. It is so worth it. In fact, there's nothing more worth it than learning to push yourself right past your excuses one step closer to the life, body, or future you dream about. So that's why I I, I strongly encourage. Like, if you're able to do the wake up challenge, I think everything else. I don't know. Maybe for me, the toughest part for me was <laughs> doing the wake up challenge, like forcing myself to do a listing. Well, I see, like I can see sales, right? Right? Or or you know, for me lately, right now during this. It's so weird that we're gonna drop this word in this podcast. By the way. These podcasts, you may be listening and going, hey, is this relevant to me? I'm not in a pandemic anymore. Yeah, it's still relevant, right? It's still the truth. But now that I'm in quarantine time, like keeping my place like clean and tidy and organized, it's super important right now, right? For my own sanity. And so being active, like right? if I see the laundry and I'm like, uh, ah, you know, that laundry is gonna be there a week from now. It's all good. No, like take that active step and it'll help you
0: do other things that are more valuable later on. So, okay,
1: that's, that's good. That's my,
0: that's my two cents. Um, at one point it says, the short answer is the gap between the person you are now and the person you want to become can seem so big that it feels impossible to bridge that gap. Feeling this way is normal, but allowing those feelings to take over your mind is a form of self abuse. And I think that's important to recognize that like- It's a loaded word. Yeah, I'm, well, I mean, but, but think about it. It can feel impossible to become the person you want to be. And, instead of often taking action and recognizing, and sometimes you have to plan, right? Like, okay, the person I want to be, and she's going to talk about later, this idea of like your future self, but the person that I want to be, um, five years from now, 10 years from now, what are the things that this person would do? What does this person's life look like? You kind of have to make a plan to get there. You have to have an aim. Okay. The person I want to be is 10 pounds lighter or 20 pounds more muscle, or has, a. Uh, 10 times bigger bank account or is financially stable or whatever it is, you kind of have to plan, okay, what are the things I need to do to get there? And then make actionable plans to actually get there. And then you can break those down into five second chunks throughout the day. What would what can move me towards that? But if you often just think about those two ends, where you are now, where you want to be, that gap can seem just insurmountable. It could seem impossible to bridge that. And if you sit there and you wallow in that and you let, I'll never be good enough. I'll never be able to reach that point. I'll never, instead of planning and taking action, you, you really are in in a way just kind of abusing yourself over and over and over, which brings you into this negative cycle that doesn't help you. It doesn't propel you forward. I don't know very many people who are propelled through negative feelings, right? Like usually negative feelings about them. Now the negative feeling could be like the motivation of like, I don't want to feel this anymore. So I'm, and then you plan actions to get out of that. But oftentimes, negative feelings, if you sit and wallow in them, cause you to eat junk food, cause you to binge watch TV, cause you to get into that bad habit you don't want to be in, cause you to find ways to numb yourself. All of these things that ultimately make you more upset, more frustrated, more depressed, make that gap seem wider, which only increases the problem, right? It's like the cycle going downwards. And the idea of the five second rule is it's its that how do you bridge that gap? Well, it's taking these little actions as opposed to wallowing in the things that cause you to to get worse, right? The self destruction that you can end up going down. Yep, agreed. Agreed. Are you ready to move on to chapter ten? Yeah, chapter ten: increase productivity, which is I think something we would all love.
1: Yeah. So I'm. I was a little torn about some things on here. I I, I really I still, and again because I'm on, I, we're both on social media, but I'm on social media a lot. I I think we we have looked at social media and emails and all as distractions. Now they can be, I agree. Like I know there's studies about emails, right? That like <coughs> people are terribly unproductive at work because they always want, and I, I like how she phrased it. So the first thing she talks about, so this whole chapter was talking about changing your behavior, but not just, but in increasing productivity by removing distractions, right? So, She talks on page 134. She says, checking email can become an addiction because of what behavioral researchers call random rewards. Right. And social media is the same way. Mm. Right. I mean, I think we're both agree that like Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, they all push things in the algorithm to give you that dopamine rush. So you'll keep going back to it over and over again. And that's how they get people to pay them because people are looking at ads and so on. Uh, Mm -hmm. But the the reason i say that is because i really i i will say my own reselling world like the more involved you can be in social media and email and da da, da the more you get distracted from being productive even
0: reselling yeah i think that's true and i think too there's importance to recognize that um, this isn't like a one size fits all there's always going to be exceptions 100%. to the rule however i would say 99% of the population who are using social media are using it in a way for its personal, it's personal consumption, right? Like they're trying to either put an image of themselves out there, they're trying to see how many likes they can get, um, they're looking at other people's things. They're consuming, they're consuming. Now, if you're using it for business, right? So like you're on social a lot for marketing for pure podcasts, for connection to the community, people who are using social media in order to do market research, people who are using social media in order to uh, learn new niches, to improve their, their, their job, those are all different reasons to use it than what most people use it for. And so I think recognizing, okay, so if social media is job or part of your job, then you need to treat it as such. But even still, the last thing I want to do, and I, I've been stuck in the same thing is right before going to bed, I'm going through work emails and I've got parent emails and then I'm like, okay, That's I got to respond to this or you wake up first <laughs> thing in the I morning. I said it. What did I recommend that? To yeah, teachers you never, never do that. And same thing with waking up. First thing you do when you wake up, it's like looking through emails like, oh man, I got a new email from my department chair or whatever the situation is. And you're kind of, if you immediately allow yourself to go there and one of the things she says in here, which was so important and and, and allowing you to get a big picture and, and having a big picture focus is, Um, this phrase being a boss about my mornings. Right. And the idea was I I created a morning routine or this is, this is Mel Robbins talking, creating a morning routine that forced her to focus on the things that are important for her. She even mentions people like, okay, do you think Bill Gates and Oprah and all these people, when they first wake up are going through emails and they're like, they've got more, like they recognize that what they have to contribute to the company and all these things are so much more valuable than just the random things that they're gonna be able to answer throughout the day. And they need morning time. They need that time for themselves. They need to take care of themselves. They need to, whether it's exercise or whether it's devotions or meditations or whatever it is they're doing, eating healthy, um, spending some time, getting the right headset, planning out the day, and then attacking those things. Because I mean, really it's almost foolish to think like, when I wake up at 4 a.m. in the morning, that I'm gonna be able to, to do things through email or through whatever, That's gonna that I can't do later on in the day. If I just give myself a couple of hours to like really prepare myself, write down the things that are more important um, and, and be focused. I think, I think even taking 10 or 15 minutes every day for me and writing out and planning my day. What are the three most important things I can do this day? What is my goal at the end of the day? What are my timelines? And she talks a lot about those, like creating those timelines for how long you're gonna work on something. When you do that, I'm more productive throughout the day. That 15 minutes I lost probably gains me hours throughout the day. If I'm just going through the day, just willy-nilly, okay, now email. And we've talked about that with other books too, of like setting a certain time. And I think the same thing goes, even if your job is social media, is it always important to right away jump on or take an hour, half hour, whatever it is you need for that morning, become the boss of your morning. And then you can attack those things with more, with more just, just focus and attention and do even better at it than you would if you're just first thing in the morning, you allow yourself to be distracted. And then you don't even know what's important in the day.
1: Yeah. You can lose your morning really quick. I mean, I would say as a full time reseller, mornings are the ones that <laughs> it's the worst when it's like one o'clock and it's like, wait, what just happened? Like, what well, what was I doing all morning? Right. So the first step, though, and I 100 percent agree, this is something that I think I will. I This will be a permanent thing in my life is uh, I get up when the alarm rings, page 137. Right. <coughs> Science. And I mentioned this earlier, but I want to reiterate this fact, but I think this applies to all of it, especially now, now that we're locked down. It's so easy to just want to, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but it's so easy to want to just sleep. Yeah. Right now, it's hard to get to sleep. I'm going to be real about that. Like, I, 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 and we'll talk about this later, but I've had, I would say the first week when things went down, like I couldn't sleep at all. Now it's getting a little bit, you know, this is becoming normal. Isn't mm-hmm. that weird? Nope. Yep. <laughs> it's kind of weird, but it's becoming normal. But waking up is a tough one, right? And so says, uh, and I'm, I'm going to read it here. How you wake up is just as important as how you sleep. Scientists have recently discovered that when you hit the snooze button, it has a negative impact on brain function and productivity that can last up to four hours. I was like, wow. Like, and you can read the rest of the explanation. I think it does, she does a great job breaking it down on page 137. But that so makes sense. I'm telling you, after the wake up challenge, like I didn't even read this until after I did the wake up challenge. But then I started going back and going, yeah, those days that I hit those snooze buttons, man, especially when it was the the terrible ones, the ones where it's like I'm gonna get up at six, then at six fifteen, then at six thirty, then at six forty five, then at seven, and then you finally get out of bed, and those days just start off rough.
0: Yeah, and, and not only for the the cycle or the um. The physiological reasons for, uh, you know, your sleep rhythms and patterns and all of those things. But kind of like I've talked about before, something that changed my life was the idea that when you hit the snooze button, when you tell yourself, I'm going to wake up at four, I'm going to wake up at six, whatever time you say you're going to wake up. And then you hit the snooze button and you don't wake up at that time. You've started your day by lying to yourself and letting yourself down. Yeah, right? I, you you I start your day by saying, I told myself I was going to get up at this time. I can't even keep my own word to my own self. And then you start feeling bad about yourself, right? Like, then When you tell yourself, like, all right, I'm gonna get into shape, you're like, yeah, just like I'm gonna get up in the morning, right? Like, it, it's just not a good place to be in, not good so, self talk, is yeah. what you're saying, yeah, yeah. And so, um, I mean, she does talk in here about this idea of forgiveness and forgiving yourself or even procrastination and those things, but it's important to realize like, if you can own that morning, you're gonna be in a well, uh, a way better place. Um, and, and in, in fact, too, and I know you said you're not a morning person, one of the, the phrases in here I liked was there was a person who said, Oftentimes you think being a morning person means you jump out of bed and you're just like a gazelle in the morning and you're excited and you're ready to go. And it's like, you might be more like a Buffalo in the morning where you have to drag yourself out of bed and splash water on your face. And it might take you a half hour before you're like finally up and running, but you can then be more productive in the mornings. Like that doesn't, you don't have to enjoy the first part of the morning to be a morning person and for, for pretty much anybody. And I I know that some people are very productive in the evenings. They get a lot of work done, but a lot of times the best work that gets done in the evenings is like. Menial tasks, tasks they don't have to think a lot about, like listing, sourcing, taking pictures. Those things can be done probably in the evening, but your most creative time, and I found this to be true for me and from almost all the research I've done, it, it seems to confirm this. And there's again, there's I'm sure there are exceptions to this rule, but there's this thing called decision fatigue. You make decisions throughout the day. What color shirt am I going to wear? Am I going to have Cheerios or oatmeal for breakfast? You make so many decisions throughout the day. By the time you get towards the end of the day, your ability to think deeply about things and make great decisions, it's just gone, right? It's you're not as fresh. You're not as, as your mind has gone through so much fatigue throughout the day that it's difficult to make good decisions or be creative. So a lot of times those first two to three hours, and she cites a, a doctor in here who says the same thing, are often the most productive and creative time you can have. So don't waste it on on what she calls stupid things, right? Like don't waste it on the mindless things like social media and and Facebook and and emails and things that don't matter. Use that time. Even if it's like, all right, I'm going to go to the gym. And while I'm there, that might be when you come up with a new business idea. That might be when you come up with your thinking, you've got all of this mind going, utilize that fresh brain in the morning when you can and save the easy stuff that you don't have to think about till the evening.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I would say there's 99% truth on that. I do think there's the other side is it depends on your life. It depends, you know, in the morning. I, I mean, I don't right now. Right. And, and, I think all of us can say that that, that have kids that it doesn't matter how fresh my brain is in the morning. My brain cannot focus on reselling and cannot focus on this. My brain is focused on, all right, got to make sure my kids are up. All right, got to make sure breakfast is ready to go. Got to make sure they're on their zoom call for school or whatever. Got to make sure they're doing their homework. Like that, that's where your brain is. And so, you know, I'm more of like, Hey, let's leave some room and say that maybe, the more creative time is in the evening for some of us. I know for me it is because I have no distractions,
0: right? I, if we're talking I, about- Can I play devil's advocate on sure. that really quick? So I think, again, I think that's right. I think based off your time schedule, once the kids go to bed at eight o'clock or whatever time they go to bed, right? Now you have free time. But I I, I would say the argument is, and again, I'm not saying this is true for you, but the mm-hmm. argument is that even though that's the time you can be most productive because that's the time you have available without distractions, your brain isn't as productive as it would be if you were without distractions in the morning. So the alternative would be, and this is what a lot of people suggest doing, is go to bed at the same time your kids do and wake up. Instead of being up three hours after they go to bed, wake up three hours before they get up and use that morning time without distraction then. Right, So because if your brain really is, like, if, if you think about it like a gas tank, if it's full in the morning and throughout the day, it starts to get emptier, 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 and maybe your schedule is set. So at the end, when you're already at a quarter of a tank of gas left in your brain, that's when you're trying to fire on all full four cylinders, that might be the only time you can get stuff done. And that's when you are most productive, but maybe try it for a week and say like, okay, I'm going to switch my schedule and I'm going to be up three hours before them instead of three hours after them and see... If my brain is a little faster and I'm able to actually do more in the morning without the distractions. I see what you're saying.
1: I mean, the only the only reservation I have about that, I've done that before. And what I hate about getting up early in the morning and trying to get stuff done is there's a time limitation. If, you know, after every everybody's in bed, everybody's sleeping and I have time to work. I have no time limitation. It's whenever I want to eventually go to sleep in the morning. Kids are going to get up at a certain time. I have to be there at a certain time at night. I have all that time. And so that's why I think a lot of us are night owls is because we don't like time restraints on our creativity and what we're doing in our productivity. So take what you like. I mean, I see Mike's points. I'm not disagreeing with Mike's points. I just know we all got to do what works for us. Right. And I, you know, I, I, I want to be careful that we don't just blanket. Like if you don't get up in the morning, like you can't be successful. Now there is the other side that research is on the side of getting up early right uh billionaires are on the side of getting up early right i've never heard a billionaire saying i stay up till five in the morning and da 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 right so i you know i don't know maybe
0: it'll take time maybe 10 years from now i'll have a different perspective right, maybe find the uh find the in-between spot. so wake up early you've got a time constraint my kids are going to be up in two hours i only have this amount of time to be productive uh, it's worse. i right? hate time but constraints. but here's the thing I hate
1: time constraints
0: nothing says that when they go to bed you can't have unlimited time afterwards like yeah
1: but then my thought process is broken
0: i'm a, like i cannot i cannot
1: set stuff to the side like once i have a passion and a drive i just keep going and i know some of you are like that out there but i do I, again i i think <laughs> this isn't the you might be right i'm not i think that's right like i do and if you guys are under, trying to figure out what i mean so if you haven't checked our level up review and never played the difference when you tell somebody you're right you're usually trying to tell them, like dismiss them. If you say that's right, you believe in what they're saying. So when I say that's right, I do believe in what Mike's saying. Maybe I'm either being resistant or maybe I, you know, I I think he is right. And that's what I need to do. So anyways, comment below. I'm interested. Like, do you, do you agree? Do you think the mornings are the best or do you think the evenings are the best? Really interested in what your thoughts are on that one. So, all right, let's keep going and being productive. Uh, let's see. We talked about the two or three hours.
0: What about this? In addition to planning my day, I also plan the time I will stop working. Do you do that? Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, she talks again about the Parkinson's law, and we talked about this, and I think I think it was four-hour work week. Maybe it was another book that we did. Uh, but it's the idea that whatever time your, your work will grow to the amount of time you give it. So if yeah. you say, and for she an gives, hour work week, right? yeah, yeah, I think so. So she says, if you give yourself a week, like if you're told, okay, you have a week to write this essay or a week to do whatever, then it's going to take you a week to do it. And you're thinking about it and you're processing it and it's, it's consuming all of your energy, but you're probably only going to like the amount of time you actually sit down and type it and do whatever it is you're doing or listings is only going to be an hour or two. Right. Whereas if, if someone were to call you and say, I need this in an hour or two, you could still get that same amount of work done and in but it didn't take you a week of thought process, right? So when you give yourself a deadline and you say, okay, I'm going to work on this this YouTube video. I am going to work on this business idea. I am going to source these things. And you say, and I'm going to stop working at 10 o'clock at night, or I'm going to stop working. Then it gives you that forced deadline. You're focused. You're like, I've got to get this instead of saying... Uh, I'm going to get this done by the end of the week. So you're thinking about it, maybe you start it and then you put it to the side and then you come back to it tomorrow. And it actually is more draining when you do that as opposed to giving yourself a narrower deadline. Um, and she talks later about a different type of procrastination where it's actually useful to give yourself an open-ended deadline on certain types of projects. But for ones where it's like, all right, I'm going to get these listings done. If you tell yourself, I'm going to do 100 listings this week as opposed to I'm going to do 50 listings today or I'm going to do 100 listings today, you might actually be more productive. You pound them out, you get them done, you're done mm-hmm. with, and you're not a week of like, okay, well, I only got two listings done today, but tomorrow I'm going to, and you're constantly thinking about it. And you let the work expand into a, a size that it takes up too much of your schedule when you can just chunk it down into a smaller group.
1: Yeah. I a hundred
0: percent agree. I, one of the
1: biggest takeaways, and I think you had asked me at one of our previous podcasts, like what was one of the biggest takeaways from our level of reviews? It's from Tim Ferriss for our work week. Like if you tell yourself and you give yourself, I'm going to get this done in two hours, you'll get it done in two hours, right? And so you'll be a lot more productive. And I think this completely reinforces that, especially now, right? Right now, a lot of us have, it's funny because everybody (laughs) talks about that there's a lot of extra time on our hands and some of us do, some of us don't. But if there's ever a time to work on like making sure things get done in a certain amount of time, it's now. Because, you know, take this time to not only be productive, but to establish habits that will stick with you once life gets back to normal.
0: And, and and it's even good too. Like, I mean, think of like honey do list. Like this is a good example. Like my wife might tell me or ask me like, Hey, can we work on getting this, you know, light fixture fixed or do this thing I want to do around the house. And if it's kind of this open-ended time frame, she's like, you know, sometime when you're off during spring break, then I put it off to the very last minute, but I'm thinking about it the whole time. But then there's times where she's like, all right, our project this afternoon is to fix this light fixture. It gets done. Like we fix the light fixture. Like we don't, we don't put it off. And so whatever task it is in your life, like if you give yourself a hard deadline and you may not make that deadline, you might get to the point where you're like, all right, well, we didn't finish it in time, but I'm 90% done. And you put it on your to-do list for tomorrow, tomorrow, finish in the first hour. Right. And then you're done and you're not thinking about it for a week. So, which is good because then it removes that stress again, decision fatigue, right? Like think about that decision. She gives an example that your brain actually thinks about things undone that are not done. More than they think about things that are done, right? So like that constant decision fatigue, like a good example is- I'm um, tired just listening to you discuss the f- decision, d- decision fatigue. fatigue. But like just, um, you know, the a lot of multi-billionaires, I think um, um Steve Jobs is a good example. He had one outfit that he wore. It was pretty much his entire wardrobe. Cause he didn't like to think. And I remembered for myself, like I, I went for a, a, a while at school where I wanted to wear a different tie every day. So it's been part of my morning trying to figure out, okay, what tie is going to go with this shirt. Okay. that color looks. And you're already using decisions. You're making decisions. Whereas if I were to have one shirt and one tie as boring as that would be every morning I'd wake up and that's one less decision I have to make throughout the day. Right. And those things add up. And a lot of the most productive people find ways to, to, to own that and, and to reduce the amount of decisions they make. Agreed. Agreed.
1: All right, so I think we're at a great halfway point uh, to share real quick. If you have not been following us on social media, we strongly encourage you to do so. We drop, you know, hopefully we drop value on social media, even on TikTok. So we are Pierce of Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. We are Pierce o Cast on Twitter. Uh, you can also find us on YouTube. Right. If you're listening to this podcast and sometimes we drop videos on there that may not make it to the podcast and we have some projects we may be working on right here soon. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? So follow us on uh, subscribe to us on YouTube and hit that bell notification. Sometimes we have live episodes. So that'll help you not miss those. Uh, you can also give us a call if you ever have a call and you just want to let us know how you're doing or if you have a question, 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. And you can always shoot us an email at podcast at gmail.com. That's podcast at gmail.com. And as always, if you ever want to write us uh, a review on iTunes, always greatly appreciated. Always, you know, just helps us move higher in the algorithm and allows us to hopefully bring value to more people. That's right. So I, and one more thing, you know, we have our next level up review book and Mike and I were talking before the podcast and we're kind of stuck. Like we have four options and I haven't shared this with Mike, so I hope Mike's okay with this, but uh, I think we want to throw it out to the people. All right. you want to do that? Sure. Are you okay with that? Mike's going to tell me after the podcast, like Rolando, we, <laughs> we were supposed to decide on this. So there are four books that we're thinking about. We will drop those on Instagram probably in a couple days. We're gonna do an Instagram story and have you vote. So we'll put in our feed because you know, more people look at the feed that look at our Instagram stories, but you'll have to go to the Instagram story to make that choice. Four different kind of books, huh? Yeah. I would say they're they're kind of not all over the place, but they have different kind of worldviews and purposes and and you know, definitions of success. So we'll take a look at that. So we'll throw that. You okay with that idea? Sure. I want Mike to just say no. Mike be like, Mike, no, we're not doing it. We're not doing it.
0: No, I'm I'm good at saying no. I, I tell you no all the time. That things. is true. That is true. That's true. So I'm always a yes guy. Mike's a no guy. That's, yep. a, that's how we roll. That's a that's a good skill to have. If I could if I could teach you one skill in life, is to learn to say no. Oh, I know how to say no, but I, I'm always like, we can make it happen. Yeah, and I'm like, nope, not worth my
1: time. <laughs> All right, hey. So let's move on with our book study. Speaking of not worth my time, let's talk about ending procrastination, chapter eleven. Yeah. All right. So this was a, this is a new concept to me. I never thought about this, and I don't know. Part of me thought that she was making an excuse for being a procrastinator. So let's talk about that. So she says, "I had it all wrong. I always was surprised to learn that there are two kinds of procrastination." destructive procrastination, which is when you avoid tasks you need to complete and productive procrastination, which is an important part of any creative process. Let's start with a good kind. So she starts with productive procrastination. So what would she say? It was productive procrastination, which procrastination just sounds like a bad word yeah. all throughout.
0: Uh, I think again, and this is very a very specific form. And I think the hard part is people can end up labeling destructive procrastination be like oh i'm just using it productively but really this is for creative things right so sometimes you are under a deadline and it's like okay i've got to get this book written or i've got to get this article done or i've got to get these listings up or whatever it is and you need to get it done but sometimes it's like all right our business is thinking about this new thing we might launch a new marketing idea and it's not like we have to have this done by the end of the week or we're going to go under right but it's like you know what we kind of want to change our branding we want to change like something Let's think about this. And you don't give yourself a hard deadline. And it just allows people the freedom to think. That allows people to be going for a run, eating, eating a, uh, an omelet on their 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 table. And as they're taking a bite, they're like looking at the fork and the way it's designed. They're like, you know what? I think that the if we designed our and it kind of it it opens you up for creativity. And it's really the only time that that productive procrastination works is when it's a creative based thing, you're trying to to do something new, big. I mean, the, the, the idea of the reseller rap that we did last time, it kind of just came out of nowhere. I was doing something and I heard something and I was, I, I came up with this little hook and I was like, let's do this. Now, if it was like, we have to be done with this by the end of the week, I don't know if, if, if we would have come up with that as an idea of something new, a new video to do, but it's because it was just kind of Let's do some new things. Let's think about some stuff. And there wasn't a timeline. It was actually useful. But I think that that is only in a very specific circumstances where it's a creative project you're doing. I'm coming up with a new novel idea I'm coming up with. But even still, sometimes it is better to act and get started because if you are forever stuck on creative procrastination, you might not ever get anything done.
1: Yeah, no, I, I see that. I But I, I do agree. There's, there's a part she says on page 146, she says, if you're not getting the results you want, give the project some time, go focus your energy somewhere else and then come back later with fresh eyes. Now in the reselling world, this is a tough one, right? Because I'm a big believer that there's, there's two, two things to reselling. And again, I'm not a guru. I'm just making enough to live and a little bit more. Uh, But it's, it's one is sometimes things take a while to get working. Right. We talk about how, you know, businesses take a few years to actually break profit. Right. And, and so there may be some things, you know, reselling that is just going to take time. Like we've talked about, which we need to have an episode about the pipeline. We haven't talked about the pipeline since like episode eight, mm. but I think it's very important. And if you, know, if you don't know what I'm talking about is the pipeline in, in reselling is basically that you have enough inventory in your store that allows you to have consistent sales. Right. And so right now I'm grateful for a pipeline during this time because I don't have to source really. And I'm still getting sales. Right. So, but that's for another, another episode. But what I mean by that is it took time, right? It took time me going, I don't know about this reselling, but I'm I'm gonna keep doing this. And I kept, I'm going to focus on this part of reselling and I'm just going to keep building my inventory. Right. So there's that aspect of it. But there's the other aspect of like, you may consistently be doing something it's just not working and and maybe it's time to just cut your loss, right? So you have to find that right place, right? Which one is it? Is it, am I pushing this off because, you know, I just need more creative like ideas or am I pushing this off because it's something that probably isn't going to work and I'm just wasting time like you just said. So that's where I think productive procrastination, which just it's an oxymoron like it just, just doesn't doesn't make sense both words together am I using that right the right term mm-hmm. yeah okay man, I feel you know the longer I'm away from schooling the more I question the words I use so but I'm still teaching but here's the deal if you do need that extra time it's okay as long as you're still moving forward as long as you're not just stuck on a couch thinking about it because this is all about taking action and
0: being active. All right. What about destructive progress? We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. So Orlando and I are always looking out for tools and programs that can be used in our own reselling to help improve our sales uh, and things that we can share with the community in order to help others. Uh, And we've been lucky enough to partner with two companies here at the same time uh, that we think do just that. So it's kind of interesting because both of these companies are competition. So... Uh, you know. But this is a good thing that we're advertising both, I feel, because we are really, really big on letting you make decisions and not saying like, this is the way you should do things. Because you know, you know what's best for your model of selling and what you need to be doing. Uh, so we've been able to partner with List Perfectly and Vindu. And both of these are programs that can be used to cross-list postings on multiple platforms. This is great because we always talk about the importance of being on multiple platforms and not putting all of your eggs into one basket. But one of the barriers to that is the time issue. And the nice thing with List Perfectly and Vindu is it allows you to make one listing that then gets cross-posted to multiple platforms. So you're not having to post things multiple places and spend that time. And in this case, that time saved is money you're making. So both of these companies have a special offer for our listeners if you were to sign up. Um, you need to sign up using the affiliate links that we have in our descriptions or show descriptions in order to get the uh, promotional codes. Uh, so... First of all, is list perfectly. They're giving 30% off your first month, which is amazing. And they've got some incredible things that they they offer. So uh, for instance, your postings go to eBay, they go to Mercari, Depop, Grail, Etsy, Poshmark. There's just so many. You got to check it out. There's almost too many to list here. Um, and so if you sign up, you get 30% off, but you have to use our our link and then use the code LP30. And then the other one is Vindu. Vindu is very similar. Uh, you're going to get 25% off your first month. If you use our affiliate link, you don't have to use a promo code. Just click on the link in the description. Uh, and your your listings are going to go to eBay. They're going to go to Etsy. They're going to go to Poshmark. They're going to go to Mercari. So this is just a great opportunity for you to save some time, get on multiple platforms and maybe make some more money. Nice. Yeah, this is the kind we're all familiar with, right? Destructive procrastination is, is the putting things off, you know, you should do. And she basically describes it as you're not actually, when you're procrastinating, you're not procrastinating from being active. You're trying to distract yourself from stress in your life. Usually when you procrastinate, it's because you're trying to, she calls it um, like emotional eating for the mind, right? Like you're, you know, you've got stuff to do, but it's usually not the project you're working on. It's the stress of like, if I don't do good on this project, my company, my paycheck, my family, and you're thinking of all of these things, and it's like, okay, cat videos, right? And it's it's <laughs> it's, it's a distraction for your mind from the stress that you have, um, which actually isn't healthy, right? Again, it's like uh, like junk eating for your mind, and those are the times when you have to the five four three two one comes in of refocus, stop thinking about the stress when you're working on your project. Don't think about okay, like my career, my family income stability and all of these things just think okay what's the thing i need to do right now i need to send this email i need to and just five four three two one away from the stress because use that as a distraction from the stress as opposed to procrastination Um, and she uses the idea of using the future self uh, which is something um i i I've found very helpful in my life. I talked about it earlier in the podcast. I used to, when I would journal my plans for the day or whatever, um, I would often refer to it as my ideal self. And I would ask myself like, what would my ideal self do in today? Or what are the situations I would do? And she even explains that like showing, like they psychologists have, have proven that by like even showing you pictures of what you might look like when you're older will help focus you and, and focus you into thinking like, okay, like I've got to move forward for the future. And it, it, it becomes a positive avoidance of procrastination is the thought of the future you what would future you do well if you're worried about like paying your kids college tuition right now well think about you when you're 30 years from now and your kids are done with college and they're in their career you're not worried about that so don't worry about that now put yourself in that position and what you need to do to get there
1: agreed and and the thing here that's it's kind of hard to understand i mean it when especially right now i think right now a lot of us are going to feel procrastination, right? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I mean, there's, there's certain things that I'm like, it's non-negotiable right now. Like listing is a non-negotiable. Like I am listing, like there's no tomorrow every day because I need sales to keep cranking. And actually I should have just taken an offer and I didn't, I countered. Don't counter. If it's a good offer, take it. Procrastination, she says, is not a form of laziness at all. It is a coping mechanism for stress. And I think we need to allow ourselves. and, And again, I'm not a psychologist or a health person that is none of them I'm like probably the, the furthest away from that. But right now as things are, uh, are happening we like I do think we need to kind of like understand that right now like we're going to want to veg out at times. Right. Because everything going on it's easier to throw on Netflix or go on Hulu or get on YouTube and watch cat videos. <laughs> or have you watched cat videos? Yeah man they're great. Okay. All right. But You know, she says, procrastination is a subconscious desire to feel good right now so you can feel a little less stress relief, right? And so, I think it's good to have that perspective that when you're doing stuff, it's not because you're being lazy, you're trying to escape, right? And the, the best way, right, to counter that is by being active. She says... On page 148, when you blow off work or studying for 15 minutes of online shopping or watching the highlights of last night's game, you're taking a mini stress break from the bigger stress, right? And I, we all are dealing with a bigger stress right now. And it could be on multiple levels. And even if you aren't, like if you're listening to this podcast and it's the year 2023, <laughs> it's kind of weird that we say stuff like that. But hey, hopefully people are still listening in 2023, is that. You may be dealing with other stresses in your life. So instead of looking at procrastination and judging yourself and saying, hey, I'm being lazy. Hey, you know, I'm just worthless that I go. No, no, no. What are those stresses in my life? And what can I take action on to be productive? So I'm eliminating that procrastination and I'm taking action. Right. So she says you have to be willing on 150 to forgive yourself. I don't know. I always struggle with the term forgive yourself. What are your thoughts on forgiving yourself?
0: I mean, I think it's good. Um, I think I think a lot of people are are not willing to actually um, face the reality of who they are, and that's often a problem. Some people have the opposite problem where they know what they really are like, and they wallow in that. And I think um, I think forgiving yourself is is applicable to the people who are actually willing to look at themselves in the mirror, acknowledge their failures, acknowledge their mistakes, but then to say, okay feeling bad about it, this isn't going to make it any better. What are the things I need to do to get better? And the only way you can do that is by forgiving yourself. Now, oftentimes people are on the other end of the spectrum where they're not really willing to take a close look at who they are and the the, the mistakes and the failures they've made and their, their um, fault in a lot of problems. And for those people, it, it's the opposite. They need to come to a reality before they can even forgive themselves.
1: Okay. And I agree. Now, here's the thing. I really believe that forgiving yourself involves you never looking, never looking back, not forgetting stuff, but not, so right now I think, and I I want to be real, like you're going to, there's going to be a lot of people going like, Oh, I'm so glad I had savings. Oh, I'm so glad I did this. And, and a lot of us, I mean, I'm not, I'm saying a lot of us as a whole are going like, I I'm, I don't want to hear that. Like, I don't want to hear that maybe I should have had three to six months, right? Emergency fund. I don't want to hear that I should have had so-and-so and and I should have prepped for this and I should have done it. Because right now, like, what's going on right now, none of us could have imagined. Like, three weeks ago, Mike, none of us would have imagined this. Like, none of it. The fact that we're in a lockdown and we're in a quarantine. (laughs) I mean, these words are, it's just, to me, it's still surreal to me. But here's the thing. Be willing to forgive yourself right now and go, you know what? Okay. So I didn't plan for a pandem- pandemic. Okay. I don't think anyone did. I didn't plan for the fact that I had to, you know, stock up on food. I didn't plan for the fact that, you know, I had to make sure that I had enough to pay my bills at the bare minimum. I didn't have enough, you know, da 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 da. So if there's ever a time to forgive yourself, it's right now. And I think you have every reason to forgive yourself because this is a completely different scenario that no one, no one, unless, you know, somebody took a time travel machine that doesn't exist would have predicted. So part of forgiving yourself is not looking back to me. I mean, that's just my view of it. So now it's like taking action, moving forward. Cause all you're going to do is you're going to beat yourself up. You're going to say, Hey, I wish I had been more intentional about reselling. I wish I had more inventory. I wish I had you know, not only built up a capital. I wish I had a savings. I wish I didn't just quit that job and just start going full time because now I'm 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 like stuck. Like I don't have anything to go back to. You can't you can't do that. You just can't. All you can do is focus on the here and now, day by day. Take those steps. I, I'm sounding like a motivational person right now, but I'm not trying to be. I'm just I'm just trying to be real because I was in, in the shoes many of you are in, probably like 15 years ago. Where I had a ton of debt. I had no emergency fund. I didn't have any of that. And I remember I just kept looking back going, I wish I didn't drop thousands of dollars my first few years in college. Not only on student loans, on credit card debt, just having fun. Biggest waste of money in my life. But, you know, once I learned to forgive myself and take action, I was able to move forward. And so I encourage all of you to move forward. All right. Do you want to talk a little bit more about the future? Nope. Okay. All right. There you go. There's Mike Im- implementing is-, is no policy. All right. So pro- one more thing, though, I do want to say procrastination makes you feel like you have no control over yourself. When you assert yourself and just get started, you're taking control of the moment and your life. Right. And that's, Stim- that's all I was talking about in this last 10 minute diatribe <laughs> was about Make sure you stay active and not wallow.
0: All right, you ready for the next chapter here? Yeah. So we're going on to chapter 12, which I think we're gonna go through these a little quicker because we're going on an hour now and we've done three of our eight chapters. So wait, there's eight chapters we have to go through? Yeah. Wow. Well, I will tell I will say the the last couple two, you can kind of just like Yeah. We'll we'll go through them quicker. That's what I just said. All right, so um the chapter 12, stop worrying. Um This is pretty interesting because basically she starts this by saying she's been able to essentially eliminate anxiety and worry from her life using the five second rule. Um, And she kind of starts it out by saying most people near the end of their lives have the same regret. Um, I wish I hadn't spent so much of my lifetime worrying. Their advice was devastatingly simple and direct. Worry is an enormous waste of your precious and limited time. Um, And basically the idea is... um, there's things in life that you worry about. Your mind goes down these negative paths. Your mind starts to think about it's things. It's crazy how yeah. negative you are. Yeah, get. you could start to get really, really negative and start to think about things that are, are not going to be helpful, but that you're not changing, right? You're worrying about um, things that that you have no power over, uh, as opposed to taking actions on the things you can take actions on and to let those things go. And again, the five, four, three, two, one, and she gives a lot of, of, of examples in here of how it can be used. But basically the idea is um, to eliminate the mental chatter in your mind. All of those things that your mind starts to think about, like, what if this, what if that? And she'll give examples of like, uh, her husband going out to ride on a motorcycle and she starts to worry like, well, what if he gets hit or her daughter's on a plane? What if they get in a crash? And the idea is eliminate it by five, four, three, two, one and think about something happy. Think about them coming home and t- them telling you about, and basically all you're doing when you do that is, you're interrupting the thought process that's negative and you're replacing it with something positive. And that goes to the idea of taking something like a negative habit habit and replacing it with a positive one. It's the same thing with anything. You can't remove something in your life without putting that same amount of attention and energy on something else. Right. So if you're thinking negative thoughts, worrying like, you know, for me, even during this, this time of crazy sickness going around, my son has a compromised immune system. I know, um, you know, a lot of you have similar situations where you know people in your life, you desperately don't want them to get sick. So you take action, you do the things you can, but if you allow yourself to worry, you've got to take those negative thoughts and you have to then replace them with positive thoughts. Right. And so you've got to think about, you know, I can't wait until my son is five and he starts playing with it. Like, and instead of thinking about the negative things, just immediately replace those thoughts. Five, four, three, two, one, think of something positive. And by doing that, you're basically just interrupting that worrying that's happening in your brain. Um, and it's only going to do good things for you because, you know, we're going to talk in a little bit on the next chapter about stress versus de-stress or different types of anxiety that you have. Uh, but really just changing your thought process and recognizing that you have some power over that.
1: Agreed. And, and take a look, you know, on page uh, 168, she says, I love what Hein, I, her husband, wrote to me. Ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time, it has always been a fake reality that I created in my head. And I think if we could all come to that understanding, it will help us a lot. Uh, Tim Ferriss talked about it in the 4-Hour Workweek. Grant Cardone talked about it in his 10x rule. I think pretty much every book that we've done a level of review, except maybe Richest Man in Babylon, which wasn't really about that, talks about the fact that we can always imagine worst case scenarios. I mean, worst case scenarios are far easy to think in our head, especially mm-hmm. right now, right? Than to focus on the positive and what we can control and what we can take action on. So 100% agree that worry slows you down. But if you're able to take things one step at a time, you're also able to reduce anxiety, which leads to our next chapter.
0: Yeah, and right before we get to the the anxiety portion, I, I love that idea of the fake reality because we do that all the time, right? Like whether it's an imaginary fight you have in your head with your boss or your spouse or a friend, or it's a situation that could happen, usually you go to worst case scenario and you're like, well, then he's going to say this and then I'm going to say this back. And then, and then you have the conversation and it doesn't go that bad at all. And it actually goes way better than you thought. And it's like all of that anxiety, you get, you can actually physically get upset and mad and angry at somebody for a conversation you're having with them in your head that you're making up this fake reality. So, um, I, I, you know, I've heard people say before, and it's such great advice, like just assume the best right? Like be prepared, like have all of your facts in order. So if you're going to go to your boss and tell them about a new project or something that went wrong, be prepared and have everything you need. Don't, don't be foolish. But at the same time, don't start the fight ahead of time because one, oftentimes you've, you've created a fake fight that never ends up actually materializing.
1: Agreed. Agreed. I, it's so, cause it's funny cause Mike and I, we, we have kind of different personalities, right? But I haven't shared as a Mike, Mike, I am a worst case scenario guy. I don't know. Has that come through at all? Um, I mean, a few times you've talked about that. (laughs) Right. But I got to tell you, I've been wrong 99.999% of the time. Right. I mean, the one, the couple of times I've been right. Well, it wasn't just the fake reality in my head. It was fake reality happening in front of me. Not fake reality. It was a reality Mm -hmm. happening in front of me. But understand your mind can be your biggest enemy. When it comes to any of this, it's what will slow you down. So if you can take control and take the thoughts captive, you can make things happen. Mm-hmm. And then that leads us to the idea of panic attacks. Yeah. Have you ever I,
0: I have suffered from legitimate panic attacks. Yes. Like I've had ambulance come get me. Yeah. <laughs> so panic attacks. So um here's one thing We're I learned. Be real stress. right now. Yeah. Um, I've so when I was in college, I had to take like mandatory health class and had a great professor, and you know, we did a whole chapter on stress and stress's effect on your body, um, a whole unit, I guess I should say. Um, and and one interesting thing, and she kind of talks about it here. She doesn't use the word stress and distress, but those two things physiologically, and she does explain. Um, she uses a she uses the word excitement and anxiety. Those are the exact same things physiologically that happen in your body, right? So humans have the the, the we're the only creatures that have this capacity. To stress after a stressful event is done. So you almost get into a car accident. she explains stress is good, right? Your cortisol goes up, your adrenaline goes up, your pupils dilate, your your reaction times get faster, all of those things. those are good things. They help you survive. Then afterwards the accident is is avoided or almost done, and you can calm down and your brain has as a reason to understand, okay, the reason I experienced all those things was because of this, this, and this. and if in a healthy situation, the stress will eventually go away. Um some people will continue to stress over it long term they're thinking about how they almost died that's distress. Now stress itself for instance jumping out of an airplane there are people who jump out of airplanes for fun right parachutes they love it it's My fun it's excitement right? That's what he
1: loved doing. Um
0: for me it would be stressful. Um it would be distress. I would the same feelings that they're feeling the butterflies their heart pumping I would panic. It would be a bad kind of stress for me whereas for them it's excitement. And so to recognize that A panic attack, what makes a panic attack so, so scary and so awful is it's the same feeling you have when you almost get into a car accident or something really bad has happened. Heart starts racing, short of breath, you start to like, you get sweaty, all of the physiological things that happen when you're having a panic attack, but there's no reason. And so, because there's no reason, your brain doesn't have something to say like you were almost in a car accident, but you're safe now. It's okay. It doesn't have the end of the loop, as it were. It doesn't have the beginning of the story and the end of the story. It's just like something's wrong, something's wrong, and because you don't know what's wrong, you panic more, and it can create, like you said, where you end up, you know, having to go to a hospital. I've almost taken myself. I had my wife drive me to the hospital one time. I was just laying in bed, and next thing you know, panic attack, and it's like I'm on the floor, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like I'm like, like she says here, you feel like I got to get out. I I just and you can't breathe, and you start freaking out. Um, well, I'll give you my experience. Yeah, I mean, here. it was,
1: it was during my master's program. I don't know, it was like 12, 13 years ago. And there's a lot going on in my life. I mean, there's a lot, you know, financial stress. Uh, there was a little bit of marital stress. There was, uh, my master's program, which was super stressful. Uh, you know, young kids. I mean, every, everything, I mean, everything was hitting at the same time. And I'll, I'll never forget, like it just all compounded at the same time. And I'll never forget. I was in a lazy boy which you think I'd be chilling, right? I'd be, you know, stress-free. And then I just, I remember, I, I, I wasn't really thinking about it. It came all of a sudden. It wasn't like I was thinking about it and then it, right? Mm-hmm. It was just kind of, you're sitting there and then you feel shortness of breath. Yep. And then your heart starts racing. Yep. And then and then the, it, may be, it may be, those symptoms may be happening, but you begin to make it worst case scenario. Yep. Right. And then your brain goes, no, I'm something, gonna die. Yeah, something's really wrong is happening. And, you know, I, I was a bigger guy like I am now. I was actually I think I was bigger back then. And I'm, I'm like, I'm having a heart attack. And the more I started telling myself I'm having a heart attack now, we're not health professionals. So if you really believe something is going down, get help, get help. Call 911. Do what you got to do. OK, but in this situation, like everything was there. Started sweating. Then out of nowhere, I started feeling chest pains that were there or were not there. My left arm, like, you know, like everything that... So the, the worst thing you can do in those scenarios is you go on your phone and you start looking up symptoms, yep. Right? Even though you already know what they are, reading them takes your brain on a whole another level. And so it just kept getting worse. It just kept getting worse. I'll never forget, like, grabbing the armchair. I'm like, got to call 911. I remember the ambulance showing up. I mean, it's super embarrassing sharing all this, but I just gotta be real. And I remember being at the hospital and like, so, um, have you had a panic attack before? And I'm like, "Ah, no. Like, what is that? They're like, well, that's what you had. Like you, your, your heart is fine. Your breathing is fine, but you ended up putting yourself in a scenario where your brain just couldn't let go of the thought that this was actually happening. And, uh, I mean, I'm glad that happened because I was able, of, I never heard of that. Mm. And and maybe some of you have never heard of that. Like, this is the first time you ever heard that you could actually have all these things that feel like something
0: real is happening, but it's actually not happening. Yep. And so did I, did I label that right? Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's the exact thing is, is it's, you can never, like, if you've never experienced a panic attack. Um, it's hard to understand, but it is it is scary, it's terrifying, and there's no reason. And you can tell somebody calm down, there's no reason. It doesn't help, right? Like just calm down. That doesn't I don't help. Think because think telling you know- anybody ever calm down helps yeah. anyone. Um, but here's what she recommends. Again, we're talking about the five. Yeah, so we road, want a right? revolution. We so, don't want to just leave it at that. So five, four, three, two, one, right. And I don't know. Like maybe this will work, maybe it won't. Maybe. I mean, again, it's all mind thing, and, and it's it's crazy how much power your mind has, how you can take a negative situation and turn it positive. But essentially her suggestion, whether it's panic attack or whether it's, it's any kind of distress where you're like, you get the butterflies, right? Like the, the, the thing you're to do instead is to tell yourself, I'm excited. You've got to give your brain a reason for the feelings you're having. Now I'm naturally not a, and we're going to talk about courage later on, but I'm, I'm not a, a extrovert. I don't enjoy, um, I don't get like, like passionate about going out and talking in front of people the reality is i'm pretty on a podcast well i i, I and the reality is when it comes to work when it comes to presenting at conferences those things i actually do really well with it but the reason is i've learned and i learned a long time ago and i think it was i watched a magician when i was in like junior high really? and he explained this and he says all of the fears and i've heard comedians say the same things when you look at like like the most famous comedians before they go out on stage they're in the green room. They are sweating, their heart's racing. And I remember this comedian said this, or this uh, magician said this thing. He's like, before I go out on stage, he's all the stage fright. He goes that so many of you don't want to come up on stage because you, you get, and he goes, I experienced that. He goes, but it's because of that that you can perform well. It's adrenaline. It's your body getting ready. And so it was that mind switch of when, you know, even speaking at eBay open, right? And we're speaking of a panel. It's like, was right, my heart's pounding and it's like, okay, now I could either panic and say, I can't do this. I can't do like, I'm sweating. I'm, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to be shaking. Or you could tell yourself like, okay, this, what I'm feeling right now, this is excitement. This is that feeling that those, Crazy people who jump out of airplanes feel right before they jump. This is my body giving me the adrenaline shot that I can fire on all cylinders while I'm up on stage. This is what every, like, you turn it from a negative into this is a positive thing. Like, this feeling, this excitement, these, these butterflies right before a football game, whatever it is, these, this, this nervousness is actually my body providing me the tools that I need mm-hmm. to do well. And so if you can change, you know, any situation where you feel nervous about, I don't wanna go talk to that girl. I don't wanna talk to my boss about getting a pay raise. I don't, to say, you know what? This feeling, these butterflies, this is the same butterflies you get when you fall in love, right? But like, because <laughs> there's a positive thing attached to it, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you, you 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 don't let it worry you. So you've gotta change that mindset. Just the, the simple five, four, three, two, one, I'm excited. I'm about to go on stage, am I shaking? Yeah, that shakingness is adrenaline in my body and that adrenaline is gonna help me think faster. So if I get asked a question, I'm gonna be able to respond quicker, right? Like you've gotta change the, the experience that you're having and tell your brain this isn't a bad thing. Cause the moment you start thinking this is a bad thing, this is a bad thing, then panic.
1: So interesting that you said that because there's actual scientific study. I mean, this, this is all scientific study but There's this, it's called the, um, (laughs) there's this whole, there's this whole study that was done, like where they put people in different scenarios and what they found was like, for instance, when there was a guy and a girl that was on a bridge that was overlooking like a, a Canyon and it was like wobbly Mm -hmm. and it was kind of scary that, that excitement brought attraction. Huh? So, so people were more attracted in situations of fear then if it was
0: just a mellow, like, hey, or yeah, I can imagine all the chemical rushes going on. There's probably it's it's the same. It's the same chemical. Well, the
1: reason I brought that up is because the supplies here. Yep. Right. It's it's a, your mind. Right. Is trying to figure out what to do with it. Right. And uh, man, I wish I could find that study. Anyways, it's OK. But I remember learning this back in the day. And so it's the same thing. You're right. Like you can you can switch that from going from, hey, this is anxiety that this is something I'm excited about. And I love how she talks about going on airplanes. I still have that. I still get that on airplanes, even to this day. Hmm. Did I jump too far ahead? I think that's chapter fourteen, right? The chapter four. Am I am I way ahead? I don't know. Maybe it's, not. It's somewhere on there, but um, it's this idea of we. No, it's the same. Oh yeah, beat fear. Yep. Yeah, I did jump ahead. It's okay. It all deals with it. Fear, anxiety. Yeah. It's all the same. But it's it's the same idea that we can get in a place, and even right now, right? Even with everything going on, right? We financial right now is, is a big deal in my life. Like, am I going to keep getting sales? Like what it's, and, and it's happening, which is kind of crazy, right? So keep listening, keep listening. Sales are happening. Not as not like they used to be, but they're still happening. But the idea of like, we can get fear debilitates you. Fear keeps you stuck. Fear keeps you from going on a plane to go into a meeting or fear keeps you from, you know, From the very basic things of just listening, fear keeps you from making that phone call, right? And so the the idea here is, again, it's the same thing that we've talked about before, is using the
0: five-second rule right, to divert that thought from fear into action. And to go into into it with a plan. She, She calls it a plan B or an anchor thought, right? So when she goes to get on the plane... Every time she starts to have the panic, when when it starts shaking a little bit, and instead of panicking immediately, she already has a thought ready. She imagines what it's going to be like when she pulls up to her friend's house or her family's house that she hasn't seen in a while, and they open the door and they run up and hug. So by having that alternate thought, five, four, three, two, one, I'm panicking. Oh, it's going to be so great when I see them. You're you're all you're doing is you're disrupting that thought process. You're moving the fear and you're changing it and telling yourself, "I'm excited." Right? And you know, there's definitely certain parts of that, that work. I mean, um, right now going back to the idea that we're in some crazy times, right? Like think of, think of the positives, right? Like it is so easy to think of the negatives in the situation, mm-hmm. but you know, think of the fact that, all right, if you do have to drive somewhere, there's less traffic. Is that a good not, reason for what we're going through? i have not getting
1: gas in like three weeks. Yeah. I'm saving money on gas. I have I've more had time more with, meals my with my family. Yeah. I've, I've sat
0: down with my boys more now for dinner than I've ever have in like 2 years. Yeah, and so you got to like find ways to think of positives, find the positives in bad situations. Uh there's an author I really enjoy, is very very comical, witty guy, um from a long time ago, he's dead now, but G.K. Chesterton, and he has an essay on chasing, <laughs> it's called A long time ago. It's <laughs> a yeah, long time ago, Mike. Uh, yeah. Uh talking about chasing, well, I mean World War II is not that long. But um <laughs> okay. chasing chasing your hat and like basically the whole concept of his essay and he's, he's kind of comical as he writes it is he's away from his town. And he hears that his town is flooded. Like there's waters That's come up and he's turned the thoughts from, you know, this is all the negatives of it. And so he's like, man, it must be so great. Like my town has basically turned to Venice and he starts talking about all the benefits of having his town flooded. And then he's talking about Chasing your hat, like when the wind blows it away, he goes, People get all upset about this because, you know, it makes them seem undignified to have to chase their hat. But people chase balls and think, even if people do laugh at you because you're chasing a hat, you're bringing excitement and enjoyment to people's lives. Like basically, just take whatever experience you're having and instead of focusing on the negatives of it, even when you trip and fall, right? The difference between the clumsy person who trips and falls and drops their food, maybe in front of their crush or whatever it is. And there's like, oh no, like, and they start panicking. This is the end of the world. As opposed to the person who stands up and laughs and like kind of makes a joke of it themselves, right? Like, well, at least I made everybody else laugh. I hope somebody caught that on camera, right? Like you turn something that's negative into a positive and it's just a mind shift. This is the exact same thing that happened. You can think differently about. Yeah. Perspective hundred percent matters.
1: Especially right now. Perspective so matters. So matters. That's why I'm like, don't, don't, (gasps) don't read the news. (laughs) Stay focused on your family and enjoy your time together and make those sales happen. All right. Let's talk about building real confidence. So chapter 15. So I I like how she said this. She said, I'm going to just read. I know you don't like it when I read full paragraphs, but I think this is needed. Confidence just means that you believe in yourself, your ideas and your capabilities. Anyone can learn how to become more confident. It's not a personality trait. It's a skill. I think that's such a huge and powerful statement. Hmm. Not a personality trait. It's a skill. You may have an extroverted personality and talk a lot, but that doesn't mean you're confident. The most vocal person in the room might be really insecure and only says what he thinks will make him look good. Look no further than me. For a long time, I was loud and bossy, but I felt insecure in myself, my ideas, and my abilities. I can relate to this. I, <laughs> I'm a very extroverted person. I'm, I'm more real now than I've ever been before. But I remember back in the day, like I'd be, you know, working the room and I would say stuff, and then I'm like, why did I just say that? Was I just trying to get an attaboy? Like, you know, so just because people appear charismatic doesn't mean they're secure. Right. And so there's a lot, of, and I agree, like Mike, Mike, I'm going to just talk about Mike, and Mike could say I'm totally wrong, but Mike, you're kind of an introvert. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. But Mike's confident. And, and there's places he's not confident in. And same with me. Right. But. Mike, right, is confident in his abilities like, hey, in the podcast, in his reselling, in his schoolwork and, and all that stuff. And so this is part of like understanding who we are. What, you know, and I think about like negotiation. A lot of you, when we did display the Difference a level up review, you talked about how negotiation was tough for you because you're not a very confident person. Right. And to to get a deal, you have to be pretty assertive. Yeah. Right. And so. Understand that it's, understanding that it's a skill hopefully helps a lot of you. Because I think we all, and now there are people I do believe have natural charisma. Like, I think that just is a natural trait. But that doesn't mean that they're confident. It just means they have natural charisma.
0: Yeah. And the nice thing too is it, it being a skill. Like, she talks about um, It being everyday acts of courage, like little acts of courage that you can do. And it builds it. The more you are successful, like I tell you what, like I'm introverted, which means I prefer to be alone or with small groups of people. I get my energy from being alone as opposed to um, being in big groups. Like I don't like big parties. I'll go to, I'm fine. It's not like being introverted doesn't mean that I hate people. It just means like afterwards I'm drained. I need some me time. Right. Uh, but like anybody, right. Public speaking was a huge fear for a long time. And it was just a matter of like, okay, I'm getting called up. I'm going to do this thing. And I would just do it, and I would do a pretty good job. And so I was like, "All right, like I can do this." Now, when I get asked by you know my school, or when I get asked by you know something like, "We need you to speak at this conference," or "We need you to lead this this committee," or "We need you to do a session on this," like speaking in front of students for me is way easier than speaking in front of a room full of adults. I still get very anxious and nervous, but like I, I think about it, I'm like, you know, what? I know I'm pretty good at this, and I know I'm good at this because I've done it hundreds of times, and it always turns out okay. And again, that mind shift. Well, I'm gonna. These feelings I have, I'm gonna say they're excitement and they're not anxiety. And I go up and I do it, and it's it's nerve-wracking. But the thing is, I've done it so many times that I'm I'm confident that if I get asked to speak in front of people, I know that I'm gonna get a pit in the bottom of my stomach, but I know I'm gonna do a good job. I know I'm gonna, I'm I'm gonna be fine. I'm gonna get claps at the end. And you know, I mean, I'm not like trying to brag and say I'm great, but I I've done it enough times. I've built the skill to know. That the worst case scenario feeling pit that I have in my stomach isn't the reality. That I just need to do it. That feeling is going to go away. Um, And the only way that has come is from just years and years of small, everyday little bits of courage. I'm going to go up. I'm going to say the thing in front of people that I don't really want to say, but I'm going to do it. Um, And you can do that by whether it's going and talking to your boss about an idea, right? Just get up the courage, go and ask. And maybe you get the yes, maybe you get the no, it doesn't really matter. But every time you're like, hey, I did it over time, you build that confidence in yourself. Everyday little acts of everyday courage builds the confidence. And just to be honest, that feeling has never gone away from me. I still, if it's like, oh my gosh, I got to speak in front of, you know, 600 parents about this big event that we're doing, like, that's, that feeling's there, but I know I'm going to be fine and, and I do it. And I know that if this was me 10 years ago, I, I got, if I was asked to do it, I would have said no. Right? So just say yes and do it and do the little things, ask for the discount, get the contact, whatever it is you need to do, right? Just do it. And whatever the results are don't matter because the more you do it, the more you build confidence in yourself.
1: hundred percent. I think it's a great place to land, right? Because, you know, the next chapter she discusses pursuing passion and enriching your relationships. But overall, I think it's it's tied to, I think every book that we we've done. Right, all of these books require practice. Yep. Right, it, it's great that we read these books and we're like, "Oh, that's awesome!" But if we do not have intentionality when after reading these books, like they're just books that we read, and and
0: I would say they're a waste. <laughs> right. I don't know if I'm am I going worst case scenario when I say that? No, it's true. I mean, um, it's not about what you know; it's about what you do. <laughs> Sounds like a after school special <laughs> or like a the more you know, but I don't know.
1: I want to, I want to wrap it up here on this note. So she says it's page 205. Now there's two other chapters about enriching relationships and so on, which I think are powerful too. But I really believe out of, out of all the things we discussed today, I think we got to the very, I don't know. Are there any other like very substantial things you caught here that you wanted to share before I wrap it up? No, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, I think the other ones we've talked about, you know, being real, being authentic, right. Never leave things unsaid. Right, And so I encourage you guys to read those chapters, but I want to end on this part. She says, nothing comes naturally until you practice it. That's why I keep saying you must practice acts of everyday courage. And I think that's what it comes down to, right? Because not just a five second rule, the five second rule is a tool to get you to where you want to go, right? But ultimately, whether it's negotiating, we never split the difference, whether it's Saving money and looking after your finances like the richest man in Babylon, whether it's, you know, looking over your time when it's a four hour work week, whether it's making sure you make your bed and put things in order with our book that we read. What was it called?
0: Make your bed shook <laughs> it.
1: All right. All the books that we am. I missing a book. Probably. I'm looking back. Or, or 10x rule, right? Whether it's, you know, making sure that when you want to elevate your business, you're going 10 times at it. All of it takes practice which ultimately means taking action so if it takes you that five four three two one go then that's what you need to do so hopefully this encouraged you hopefully it allowed you to continue being optimistic during this time we appreciate all of you and with that being said make sure to be real be relevant and be reselling Please.